Hello, funky listeners. Do you see a clue? Hello, Kyle. Uh, I don't think they... Well, if they can see a clue, it's not related to us, because we only do audio. Can you hear a clue? I might need to splice in some... Blues <laughs> some blues sound effects sounds. or something. <laughs> I, think, I think the awkward silence is better. <laughs> that's um, that's that the awkward silence is definitely the clue that this is funk radio listeners Hello. the clue that my segue isn't working <laughs> um <laughs> hi funky listeners this is your host kyle and this is your host peter welcome to funk radio i think it was i don't remember it was like right before we started recording the last episode mm-hmm. maybe somehow steve from blues clues came up in our conversation and for whatever reason, I had already he had already crossed my mind like twice in the last like forty eight hours. At Weird. that point, <laughs> and then I don't know how we got on the topic of like, oh, has he ever done music? Or maybe we were just wondering what where, what he's doing now. No, 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 no. You had mentioned Steve, yeah. and then I mentioned something to the effect of like, oh yeah, I heard he like after Blues Clues he like formed a metal band. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that makes sense. We looked it up, and it was. I was half right. Yeah. Um, well, he, he has done music, <laughs> which is why we're going to talk about him today. Um, okay. Thank you for reminding me that I couldn't quite figure out how the hell that had come up in conversation. Anyway, so we're going to talk a little bit today about Steve, um, who you may know from Blue's Clues, <laughs> but his real name is Steve Burns. And um, he's actually done quite a bit of music um, since he left the show. So we figured it would be worth catching up a little bit with what he's been doing since he left the show and give, uh, give, give some thoughts on his music and whatnot. So I think, I think this will be a fun one. Mm-hmm. Should we tell the listeners who don't know what Blue's Clues is what Blue's Clues is? <laughs> yes, um, we haven't really given any clues so far. <laughs> to what Blue is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically, Blue's Clues is a very young children's show. Like, it's like um, a preschool-level kid show. Yeah. Um, uh, that aired on Nick Jr., which was Nickelodeon's like early morning little kids programming. Man, do you remember Face? I just remember yes, Face. Yes, I was just thinking of that when... when oh, wow. Yeah, for some reason, the in the in the programming in between the shows, there was this like animated smiley face that would change colors and stuff yeah. and he was kind of like the host sort of i guess but in between the programming and yeah. he was he was dope um face was dope rise and shine and good morning it's me face how do you do <laughs> you're watching nick jr <laughs> So anyways, Blue's Clues is a show that started airing in 1996, actually, so it's technically a 90s show. It's basically about Steve and his dog, whose name is Blue, and she leaves clues all around his apartment, (laughs) and they're not the clues you're thinking of. Yeah, they're not clues that your own dog might leave around the house listening. Yeah, the entire show was animated except for him. Wow, I I don't even know if I realized it started that early in '96. I know, right? It was like just late enough that like we weren't we weren't able to get into it, but it was around the same time yeah. as like Barney and shit. Now I know it's been 
it has it has continued to exist in various forms over the years. I think they are recently, or they currently are, are about to launch like a new version of it. I think they actually did fairly recently. Uh, it says that Nickelodeon announced a reboot titled Blues, Clues, and You, which premiered November 11th, 2019. Okay, yeah, so it's pretty uh, recent. Then. Where is this and why am I not watching it? Well, because you're a 30-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> For starters. Uh, Who does not have children, by the way? Right. Well, we're basically children. Uh, okay, so where are we going with that? Oh yeah, so Steve, the the host of the show, so he was he was only on the show from the show's premiere in, on September eighth, nineteen ninety six, through about a hundred episodes or so um, for almost six years, and then in two thousand two he announced he was leaving the show, and I have a short quote from him that says, "quote I knew I wasn't going to be doing children's television all my life." Mostly because I refused to lose my hair on a kids' TV show, and it was happening fast. And if you and if you look at like the beginning of the, his time on the show versus the end, you can tell that like his hairline is definitely receding. Mm. And uh, I, I got the impression from like the research I did that he enjoyed doing it, but that he he wasn't like he didn't want to do like a kids' show his entire life or anything. So you didn't want to be like Mister Rogers. Yeah, basically. Now. When the pretty much the primary character of a kid's show announces he's leaving, that's going to, you know, potentially cause disruptions among the tots. So they actually addressed his departure in two, like a two-part episode, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Joe gets a clue, and Steve goes to college. Well, this is basically where they transferred it to the new host, Joe. Mm. I don't know if you ever saw those episodes. No, I did not. Um, I... I have a very distinct memory of watching those when they aired because we so <laughs> obviously we were, I mean, we were what, 12, I guess, mm-hmm. by the time this happened. So I, I, I wasn't in the demographic to watch the show, but um, we were, we were on like a mini vacation to Disneyland for like a good portion of the week. Mm-hmm. And at some point when we were just hanging out in like the hotel, relaxing for a bit, we were like, oh gosh, they're, uh, they're showing these episodes that they had been like hyping up for a while mm-hmm. and we're like oh my god we have to watch it <laughs> it was hilarious i'll be honest when steve went to college because they like made this whole emotional thing but like for preschoolers the vision of college is basically like a, a, a big preschool basically <laughs> and obviously and at the time he was like i think 29 years old so um if you can find those episodes anywhere listeners they're pretty great that being said, I haven't seen them in almost twenty years. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that uh, so those aired on April 29th, two thousand two. Like I said, he passed the baton on to the new host, Joe. Um, the day after filming those final episodes, he shaved his head. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I guess he was really having a thing with the whole going bald. So mm. he just wanted to get it over with. Um, so I guess something I had never heard of before, but apparently this was a thing. In the years after he left the show, I guess there were a lot of rumors that Steve had died of various circumstances. Um, some people were saying he died in a car crash. Some people were saying he died of a drug overdose. And I don't know if it really came from anywhere in particular. <laughs> it just kind of started. There's like a weird cult fandom around this idea that like horrible things happen to children's show hosts. Part of the reason I know this is because I remember... In my early teens, or maybe it was middle school, 
I heard these weird rumors that like one or maybe multiple people that played Barney on the Barney shows mm. like either killed themselves or were arrested or ended up uh, dying. Yeah. I hear all that too. I forgot about that. Yeah, and I never really knew if it was true, but there was always like this weird, dark stigma around like children's show hosts that like, oh, bad things happen to them. You know, they're really dark yeah. people. Um, I guess it makes for a good story. Maybe that's why the rumors. Yeah, probably. Effectively, like, kind of like you know the the clown that's actually like creepy and that kind of shit. Right. Yeah, so uh, I, in all of the interviews I watched or read with him, um, he seems to take it with a lot of humor. All right, so as we said, um, following his time on Blues Clues, um, he started making music. Now, he I guess he had been doing music like his entire life up, up to that point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, once he left the show, he had a lot of free time to start working on his own personal projects, basically. So, like I said, this happened in 2002. He spent a lot of this time, like, in his Brooklyn apartment um, making music. Um, I think he was even posting some of it online. Um, but he wasn't being super, like, pushing it out there for a lot of people because I think he was self-conscious about it. At one point, he did actually have an opportunity to share his music um, with producer Dave Fridman, who has worked with dozens of musical acts, including The Flaming Lips, Mercury Rev, and MGMT. Steve Burns said, quote, I've been writing songs forever for myself and my friends. I was in about 4,000 high school and college bands. So once Blues Clues was over and I found myself in a position where I could do what I wanted, I decided that this would be how it would go. So I wrote him an email introducing myself, and it happened to be on the same day that his son had a Blues Clues party. And I sent him some demos. He liked them enough to want to work with me. So the stars aligned, listeners. Mm -hmm. The clues aligned. Yeah. So uh, this producer, Dave Fridman, um, so he sent Steve to Tarbox Road Studios in Fredonia, New York, where he started working with Stephen Drozd, who I guess is an instrument instrumentalist and like composer who was big in the group, uh, The Flaming Lips. And um, together they started collaborating and, you know, because obviously Stephen made those the, the demo tracks, but they were like actually producing them into full on like studio mm-hmm songs and they uh what the result of all that work was an album called songs for dust mites which released on august 12th 2003 and was uh steve's first album so you had you had made the joke or whatever the rumor that he had made a metal band Mm -hmm. like you said earlier it's that's not quite true um his style is more like indie or like alternative rock Let's go ahead and listen to um, a clip from that album. Uh, The song is called Maintain. I feel like this is a pretty good representation of the music that's on this album and the style that he puts forth throughout the whole thing. So let's give this a listen. This is somehow the most 2003 thing I've listened to in a while. It definitely has a Flaming Lips kind of vibe to it, so I can see where it has that guy's influence. Um, mm-hmm. I, was, I was telling you a little bit before we started recording that 
I let the song play and then it just started playing through other songs on the album and I actually mm. kind of dig it. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and um, I, I seem to get the impression that partly from what Steve recounted in various interviews was him saying basically people almost approached working with him musically like almost as a joke because it's like, oh, you're the guy from Blues Clues. Mm-hmm. But then they hear his music and they're like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I definitely agree because I I listened to all of his albums in their entirety just, you know, as part of researching for this episode. And I, I do agree that definitely it's it's good music. I will say that we did not approach this with the assumption that it would be terrible or that we would no. be making fun of him. Um, but it is still nice to see like, oh, he's doing something that he likes and he's also producing something that can appeal to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So that was in 2003. Several years later in 2009, he released his second album, Deep Sea Recovery Efforts. Now, in the time between these two albums, um, I guess he started a band called Steve Burns and the Struggle. And so this album is actually by Steve Burns and the Struggle versus just Steve Burns by himself. Mm. He and, and this band had been working for a couple of years um, on more music, and then they uh, made this second album. In addition to continuing to work with Steve and Joe's, as we mentioned, um, he also worked with uh, a variety of people in this group. Um, among them was Ryan Smith of the group A Million Billion. So obviously, like over time, he's working with a variety of different people. I got the impression that he that he was able to connect with a lot of people and network and to kind of like collaborate mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so that's pretty cool as well. So let's go ahead and listen to a clip um, of a song from this album. And this song is called The Unbeliever. What were your thoughts on this one in comparison to the first album, Kyle? No, it's good. I'm trying to pinpoint who it sounds like, and I can't, and it's annoying me. I agree as well. I was trying to like identify specifically who this sound like, but I, I feel like it just sounds like there's a whole genre, I guess, that just sounds like that. I know, right? It's good. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was... You know, like when your brain is just like, this sounds like something I've heard before, but I don't know what it is. And it, mm-hmm. it, it just st- stuck me in that mode. So I was yeah. focused more on that than actually <laughs> figuring it, you know, figuring out if I liked it or not. Mm-hmm. I like his prior album better, personally, um, at least what I heard of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's less Flaming Lips than, than uh, Songs for Dustmites was. Um, I've, I'm not really familiar with A Million Billion, so... I'm not either. I don't, I don't know. I did get the impression that there was more holistic collaboration with the Flaming Lips for their first album. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might explain why it had more direct correlation sound-wise. Uh, um, versus versus him having like his own separate band later. I didn't dislike either of these albums at all. In fact, I thought they were pretty good. I don't really listen to alternative rock or this style of music really voluntarily so i don't have like a whole commentary on it like comparing it to oh it's like this but it's got elements of that Mm -hmm. it's not something i would probably listen to 
just on my own. But that's not to say that it's not good music. It's just not the style that I generally listen to. Yeah, yeah. But there was certainly nothing that like turned me off from it. So I feel like if someone like me who doesn't really listen to this can enjoy it, then probably a lot of people can. True. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while I listen to like alternative stuff, whether it's like on uh, what is it, Spotify or um, XM Radio. But I'm sad he's never been featured. Uh, or never popped up. I guess he's not on Spotify, really, so he wouldn't pop up there. Right. Um, it's it's good. I would toss it into a playlist or whatever if I had, like, an indie playlist going. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking, like, if you, I don't know, like, had a, had a CD of his or whatever, like, you would be the most, like, hipster, obscure indie person in the world just because you'd be like, yeah, I have the album of the guy from Blue's Clues. I was actually wondering, very, like, at the beginning of going into this whole research, I was wondering, like, does he just friggin' hate people now for, like, only associating him with Blue yeah, Blue's Clues and asking him about it and all that? And actually, I was surprised to see that he's, like, really chill about it, and he seems to really, like, appreciate the opportunity that he had on that show. Mm-hmm. He seems fine talking about it, even though, like, he has done other stuff since. Which is kind of nice, because I, I didn't know if it was going to be a thing where, like, he was like, don't ask me about Blue's Clues. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, he's so typecast as Steve, like, yeah. he can't shake it. I think he's embraced that, though, so. That's good. That's good to see. Um, now, so there is a third album here um, from quite a bit more recently, in 2017. This was kind of this is kind of a separate project from the first two that we've listened to. He's continued to collaborate with Steve and Dro's, um from the Flaming Lips, and I, from what I gather, they've become like really good friends mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. And so, I think I don't remember what the exact. I didn't write it down, but they, at some point in the last several years, they worked on some song, like one-off song for a, a kids show, and they were like, "Hey, we should do a whole album like this." So, this album is called "For Everywhere," and is basically a collaboration between them two, and it's an album for kids. Oh, yeah, this is the one with the music video. I'm just like, this is really trippy. Yeah. <laughs> Steve said, quote, We deliberately took kiddie cliche ideas and tried to elevate them, which is why there's a unicorn and a rainbow princess. The kids I've met are very emotionally complex people. I just don't think that there's much difference between what makes music great for adults and what makes music great for kids. And I think that mindset definitely comes through in this album because... If you listen to so much of the music from this, it feels very similar to his style from like the regular albums from before, mm-hmm. which I found was interesting and actually kind of refreshing almost. Yeah. It's not like overly kitty. It's not Baby Shark. Yeah, exactly. The There are, I want to say maybe like three or four different music videos for different songs on this album. And like you said, they're pretty trippy. There's definitely a lot of like a uh, psychedelic influence <laughs> in this children. album not only not only in the videos but like in just the music itself it's pretty interesting i would say probably of the three albums this is probably the one i enjoyed the most hmm. again i wouldn't necessarily just go listen to it but i i enjoyed it so i actually want to play two different songs um let's go ahead and play the first track from the album the unicorn and princess rainbow Know what to feel 
I guess I haven't explicitly said this, but he's the vocalist on all of these albums that you've heard. Oh, um, yeah. I, yeah. That might have been obvious, but we didn't really say it. He's got a good voice. Yeah, he does. He does a good job. Um, it's 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 funny. I mean, you mentioned that too, because I in one of the podcast clips that you linked um, me to, mm. he mentions that he does voice acting, and that's oh, kind right, of yeah. how he got involved in Blues Clues to begin with. Was he was kind of in the voice acting world, which is probably fairly tangential to children's programming. That reminds me of something I read, actually, that when he first auditioned for Blue's Clues, he actually thought it was a voice acting role. Mm. So when he showed up to the the audition, he was he was he said he said he was basically like a punk kid, which I I can't really picture that on him (laughs) auditioning for Blue's Clues like that. Yeah. But they basically said, come back, but dress like a regular person (laughs) Um, (laughs) and not so many words. Um, because I, so what, I think once he realized it was like an actual acting part, he, I think he said he dressed more conservatively and he got the part. Nice. He wore a green rugby polo. I guess so. <laughs> um, so there's actually a second song I want to play from this album more so just cause it's funny and it, it's probably one of the most kiddie parts of the whole album, uh, mm-hmm. is a song. Okay. Toilet bowl. <laughs> and it's just funny. It's a fun song. that your poop is mostly made of water and so are you it's true i am no longer afraid i'm proud of the poop that i made not going anywhere else i don't know i'm 30 years old and i'm laughing at this what's wrong with me peter well i mean hell i'm the one who put the link on there for us to listen to it (laughs) oh my god uh yeah it's definitely got a sense of humor for sure um um, so as of right now, 2020, this, these are the three albums that he has produced. I have no doubt that he will continue producing music, you know, ongoing into the future. Mm-hmm. Now, so far, there seems to be gaps of like six to eight, eight years between albums. So it's not too surprising that we haven't seen him in the last three years. I'm waiting. I am curious to see what he will do, though, just because it seems like every album he does, he collaborates with different people. I mean, somewhat different people mm-hmm. to do different things. So I'm interested to see what he does in that realm. But also, like, I wonder if he'll do more kid stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was kind of nice to see him return to that realm. I was going to say, I, I agree with you. I, I like that he's kind of melding his love of that genre of music with kids programming, but not really, like, dumbing it down for kids at the same time. Yeah. So if he continues on that, that'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. They need to make more kids' music that's not shitty for adults to listen to. Because <laughs> I think he's got yeah. a point. Kids are way more sophisticated and than we usually give them credit for. So they're going to like good stuff. You know, right. they, maybe they're not going to like you know Nirvana or something, but they understand <laughs> melody and what sounds good just as much as an adult does. Right. So that kind of wraps it up for this listeners. Um, like we said, we enjoy Steve Burns's music. He does a good job. He's really talented. And I'm, uh, 
I'm glad that we did this and I'm glad that we learned about it just because it's interesting. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff that most people don't know. I'm glad he's not dead. Yeah. I'm glad that he did not die of <laughs> a car crash or a drug overdose. So, and from what I can tell, his music seems to be hard to find, just generally speaking. It could be that I just missed it somewhere, though. So, if you want listeners, I would encourage you to go search around and see where you can find that. Search for clues. <laughs> he did it on purpose. Yeah. To lead us on the greatest Blues Clues of all. Steve did some pretty cool shit after Blues Clues. He didn't just become like a child star and like have his life fall apart. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he was almost 30 by the time he ended the show, so. Yeah, but kids programming tends to kind of, I don't want to say mentally stunt people, but socially stunt people. Well, yeah, I mean, look at the guy who played Barney. He killed himself. I'm, I'm still not sure if that's true. I'm I need to look kidding. that up. <laughs> that was a joke. Part of me still wants to believe it's true, though. Anyway, we're not going to go any farther down that rabbit okay. hole. That's our, uh, for, for our platinum listeners, that's our bonus content. That's our Patreon content. Oh my gosh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, that's quite a way to end an episode, don't you think? Yes. If you want to listen to more episodes of our show, go to getyourfunk.com. And we have a search bar there where you can find all sorts of different topics. Listeners, thank you for being the thing that you do best, which is listeners my brain is having trouble um this has been your host peter and this has been your host kyle and you have been the listeners and this has been funk radio uh bye bye bye. we love you (laughs) now it's time for so long but we'll sing just one more song Thanks for doing your part, you sure are smart, you know with me and you, and my dog Blue, we can do anything that we wanna do. Bye bye see you later. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.